So verse 11 says, there is no partiality with God. He doesn't respect. He doesn't favor people because of who they are. Now, he can honor a person more who honors him. That's reaping and sowing. But God cannot look at a person and say, oh, I like this person. I don't like that one. Or this person's uglier than this. That's not in God's nature. That's human nature. That's the corrupt human nature. Favoring, oh, I like this lady because she's pretty. Oh, I, I don't want to be around this one. I will be seen with this ugly person. See, that's a judger of evil thoughts. It proves a person has no spirituality. They judge according to the world standards, which is wicked, okay? But God isn't that way. And like he told them, the Jews, he said, do you think you will escape the judgment of God if you do evil, just like the Gentile nations? It's rhetorical. He said, no, you're not going to escape. You've been given the law. Actually, you're not only escape, you're going to be punished more because you should have known better, okay? So as we've said before, if you're a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and you mess your pants, you can get away with it. But if you're 10 years old and do that, and you're not retarded, you can get a good beating for being lazy and foolish. And that's how God's going to deal with people. Ezekiel tells us, and it was God speaking, if the righteous person does good in God, keeps his will, and tries to please him, he said, if he's righteous, and that's his lifestyle. And then one day, he starts going into sin, gross sin. He just falls maybe that one day. But if he, the scripture says, if he dies, that's God's prerogative to cut him off and not give him another chance. God will harden whom he'll harden. If he feels this person had such privileges and he decided, well, I'll spend a day sinning, God says, well, I will fool him. And what does it say? And all of his goodness will be forgotten, and he will die a sinner. And if a wicked person repents, truly turns to the Lord, we're not talking about a deathbed repentance here, and he starts to live right, even if it's only for a week, but he's on the right path, and then he dies, an accident, something happens. It says he dies righteous, and his old sins will never be remembered against him. See, he's not talking about a deathbed repentance. That's a rare thing. He's talking of repentance of life. See, repentance is not verbally saying, oh, I repent. It means it's a turning about. You see, that's why many people believe in the Lord, but they're not repentant. They confess Jesus and think they're saved. They're still in their sins. They're still in their gross sins. Gross sins are to stop immediately. There's no, uh, I have counseled so many people in the past are so, I have to use the word, they're so stupid. Well, I'm doing better than I was. Oh, that's true. You're in the mafia. And last year you had 20 people killed. And this year you've only killed 10. You're such an improvement. Aren't you bearing fruit? Foolishness. The Bible says gross sin. James said if you offend, and one issue, you've broken the whole law. So you can be morally upright, you can be a good citizen, you can give to the poor, you can do all that stuff and be having a secret affair, and that'll send you to hell. All that other stuff won't be remembered. So that's God's way of thinking. 
He's not going to weigh the good against the evil like the wicked thing. Well, I'll do some good and I'll do some bad. And I hope my good outweighs my bad. Well, it doesn't work that way. And you'll find out too late that it doesn't work that way. Okay? So God is dealing with man in the present tense. So he might live in eternity. We don't know what he knows and doesn't know and doesn't want to know. But we know one thing. He deals with us in the now. Whether he knows your end or not, whether you're going to be in hell, it doesn't affect his dealing with you now. He doesn't look in the future and say, oh, you're going to end up in hell anyway, so I'm not going to give you much grace. That's foolishness. That's attributing evil to God. He deals with us in the eternal present. And whatever I end and whatever he decides he wants to look at, he's seeing the results of our life, not uh, something uh, the future that was predestined. See, that's foolishness. They make God to be an evil God. They're worse than the devil. They blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Attributing God's work to the devil is blaspheming the Spirit, whom Jesus said there is never forgiveness. So they better be careful to tell people, oh, I've heard people and they said, well, we're predestined forever. And millions of people go to hell before they're born. God, in his pleasure, has decided he don't want to save them. They are demons. God is not a monstrous person. Even Abraham, when he was going to destroy Sodom, said, well, you can't destroy the righteous with the wicked. And God basically confirmed that. He's loving, kind, and more. He doesn't do these stupid things people talk about. Oh, in his unseen wisdom. No. His love and morality and what he tells us about himself is true. So he cannot be a monster. He cannot send babies to hell that have no law. See? People who believe that are of the devil himself. That makes the devil better than God. No, everyone's judged according to works. How can babies and retarded people be called into a judgment when their brain can't function? God doesn't send people to hell because they're born with a corrupt nation. He sends them to hell because they willfully sin against him. He makes provision for these things. As we saw with Cain, God told him, it's crouching at your door. If you want to murder your brother, subdue it. Now, God didn't tell him to subdue it if he couldn't do it. Well, he didn't do what God told him, and he became the murderer. And he was cut off from God's grace in the long run, okay? So we see, don't let a theologian talk nonsense to you. They're so bright that they're going to go to the lake of fire, and they're going to see what brightness is about. They attribute to God. They take two or three scriptures and run with them. You have to take the scripture as a whole. It says, God is long-suffering and not willing that any perish. Now, how can he send millions of babies to hell that don't even know what's going on if his will is that nobody perish? Poor God, as he locked himself. His laws are not binding him. He makes his laws. He's not bound to man's thinking. He's not bound to what he sees and what the future holds. He supersedes all. See, we can't understand a being that all laws are subject to him, and he can intervene, and he can override, and he can do things that we could never think about, and he doesn't seek to explain it to us. He tells us, live right. If you're good, 
I'll bless you. If you're not, you'll be cursed. He doesn't blame it on nobody else. He blames it on that person, and he holds them. For a person to be held in judgment, they have to be accountable to make right and wrong decisions, or therefore they cannot be judged. As Scripture said, it says, where there is no law, sin is not imputed. The Gentiles were not judged by the law. They were judged by their conscience. So those who don't have a conscience or are still babies and stuff, they cannot be judged for evil. The blood of Christ covers many things that we don't know about. See, he don't explain all of that to us. Common sense, all you tell you, God does what's good. People don't die and go to hell because they're born in a foreign country that don't have the gospel. They go to hell because they reject the gospel or they fight against their conscience. That's why they go going to hell, okay? This evangelism is a false evangelism. Oh, we got to go get the gospel to these poor people. These poor good people are dying because we haven't got the message. That's foolishness. That's a work of the devil that says that, okay? I guess I've said enough on that, huh? So we are seeing it's today God's interested in. That's why he says in Hebrews, turn to the Lord today. He told the Israelites, turn today. And they didn't. So he says, you will wander in the wilderness for 40 until you're dead. The next day they came back and told Moses, we will obey the Lord. And Moses said, nope, you don't go. But we're going to go because we're going to obey the Lord. And he said, then God will not go with you. God changed his mind. God can repent. It means relent. He said, if a good person turns to evil, all the prophecies and good I intended to do, I won't do. And if a wicked person, a nation like Nineveh, I told Jonah, just tell him in 40 days, I'm going to destroy him. He didn't even offer him a promise. He said, in 40 days, I'm going to destroy you. Well, they believed it. And they did the best as ignorant Gentiles to get right with the God Almighty. And God said, well, I'll spare them. They weren't destroyed till 100 years later or so. God spared them. That was his prerogative. And they didn't even have a promise. The Jews always had promises in the covenant. If you turn back to me, I will help you. If you do this, they didn't even have the promise. They said, perhaps he won't judge us if we change. And you know what God said about them spiritually? He said it to Jonah because Jonah was a hard-hearted, and he didn't like these Gentiles, and he didn't like it that God was forgiven them, and God reproved him. And he said to him, why, these people, they don't know their left hand from their right hand. He's talking about spiritually. And you know what else he said? And then if it has much cattle, God was concerned with the animals and all of their food source. He said, so I'm going to have mercy on them. I'm going to tell them they're going to die for their sins, and we'll see what happens. They repented. Isn't that astounding? And God repented, and he decided not to destroy them. And poor Jonah was upset because it made him look like a liar. He sat outside the city waiting for God still to destroy him. See, he didn't want to be known as a false prophet. He didn't know the rules very well, or he was a bitter person. And God leaves him that way, corrected him, and reproved him. Say so, so even prophets and kings are corrected by the Lord. Okay. 
So we see when the Lord tells most professing Christians, depart from me, you lawless workers of evil, into the everlasting punishment, they begin to tell of the good things they did in Jesus' name. Oh, there's a lot of uh, professing Christians who do a lot of humanitarian work. They shame sometimes the true Christian. They'll go out and work themselves. Why do they do it, though? If they don't have the Spirit of Christ, they do it for themselves. They do it for people's honor and praise. See, that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. And they lied to God about it, so he struck them dead. They went to hell. They wanted people to believe the apostles that they gave all of their money. Why? Because Barnabas did this. He was a rich man. And he got such great honor for doing this. And the Christians just thought, isn't that marvelous? Well, they said, well, we want the same honor, but we'll only give half of our goods. And the Holy Spirit, speaking through Peter, asked him the question. They had time to acknowledge they were sinning. And they didn't. And they struck dead immediately and cut off from the covenant for lying to the Holy Spirit, which the Bible says there is no forgiveness for sinning for so much. Now, why would the one saved always say people say, well, they went to heaven, they were punished. That's not a punishment. That would be a reward. If God punished Christians for doing evil, we would curse God to his face and say, take me to heaven. You foolish fools. The depths of hell are waiting for that kind of teacher who lies and corrupts God's word. Okay. Most high. Okay, I would tell you something that people forget. Like I say, they don't go to hell for not hearing the gospel. They go for disobeying the gospel or searing their conscience. See, that's the justice of God. Why, before the law, remember. Now, this was during Jacob's time and Joseph. And they were in the covenant to a degree, okay? Well, get this. Job was living at the same time. And he was living somewhere in Saudi Arabia or one of the Arabian nations. And what did God say about him? There was none like him in all the earth. So he was saying Jacob and Joseph weren't as holy and righteous as Job was. Job knew the Most High God, and he wasn't even the Abrahamic covenant. See, he was a Gentile. See, God's not a respecter person. A lot of people don't all know about the great King Josiah, I think his name was. I might be mistaken. He was a descendant of one of the wicked kings. Most of them were wicked. And he lived righteously before God. Almost every other of the kings of Israel and Judah said, did evil before the Lord. Well, he did righteous. And you know what the person who wrote it said? People forget this. There was none like him as king before or after. He was more righteous than David. He was more righteous than any of the king in his personal life. Oh, he didn't have the covenants that some of them, but he was more righteous. And until Jesus Christ came as king, the kingdom of the Jews was cut off during the destruction of Jerusalem. There was none before him, and there was none after him, the writer says, that was righteous and walked uprightly before God. You never hear about him, do you? David sinned quite a bit and got punished for it. Solomon ended up being an idolater and ended up in hell. A wicked man died at 60 with 1,200 wives and concubines. He was given over to lust. And he offered his 
children, his wives. He helped them build temples to other gods. The scripture leaves him as an idolater. And 10 tribes were ripped from him. And the only reason he was kept to two was for David's sake and for Jerusalem, not for his own. He died as an idolater. And look at the privileges that Solomon was given at one time, okay? That shows you God's no respecter of persons. Okay, verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. So they won't be judged by that law. Those who don't hear the gospel of Christ will not be judged by the standards of that gospel. They will be judged at the lesser law of their conscience and how they lived, and God will make allowances and disallowances under each covenant, okay? So this evangelism is foolish that all these people are going to hell because they heard about God. Well, the Christian should go to hell for not going and preaching it. They shouldn't go to hell. He should go to hell for being lazy if that is the case, which is not the case because everybody's not called to be missionaries and go out into the world, okay? And all who have sinned under the law, that's the Jew, will be judged by the law. His standard will be higher than the conscience because he was given clear rules and regulations and obviously he could keep the main ones and provisions were made for the weaker and minor. He could offer sacrifices and he had to do this. And that's why Peter said, our fathers and us, we couldn't keep the whole law. They meant the ritual and the ceremony. But anybody could admit it, murder, and blasphemy, they were stoned to death immediately under the old covenant. Because they were responsible. They could not do it, but they did it. But the weaker laws and the conscience and things they forgot being human, the scripture said God remembers we're but dust. And they'd do certain things and then they remember later, oh, well, that's what sacrifice was for. It was the point that Jesus will cover that. He will cover these things. He don't expect a man to walk in complete perfection with a fallen nature. He's not foolish, so he makes provision. But each covenant demands its accountability, and he will judge accordingly. So they will not. So when Cain was saying, subdue it, he didn't subdue it. He became a murderer. He didn't have to be a murderer. The devil couldn't override him. God told him. Isn't that interesting? God talked to him before he killed Abel. He said, sin lies at your door. The implication is it's like a crouching lion, and it's waiting to jump on you. But he said, but you must subdue it. Now, why would God tell him that if he couldn't do it? People are foolish. These menaces are going to get the double punishment for lying to people with all this silliness, okay? So he sets rules in every covenant, and he expects man to obey them. He winks at their ignorance. That means a lot of things. He didn't wink at with the Jews because they were given instructions and rules and regulations. They were basically given 40, 50-some regulations and rules other than the Ten Commandments and the open sin. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus came, the Pharisees had 600 and some. See, they made all these rules that God did not intend. Since you put all these burdens, Jesus said, you don't lift your finger to help them. That's why I called them hypocrites. Okay? So we can see then 
It's the gross sins that God does not tolerate and that man, every sinner of the world does not have to break the Ten Commandments if he doesn't want to. Isn't that a fascinating? But the Ten Commandments won't save a person. That's a moral standard that if you don't live, you'll go to hell except for the Sabbath, which is the eternal Sabbath for a Christian. A true Christian keeps all of the Ten Commandments. They're incorporated into the law of Christ. He don't get saved by keeping the commandments. He gets saved by staying in Christ. And the Spirit of Christ lives in him, and the Spirit of Christ does not break the commandments of God. Okay, He that keeps his commandments will find eternal life. He who doesn't will find everlasting death. So we said that before. God is fair in all of his dealings. Okay, So we say Job was the most righteous man on earth, and that's when Jacob and Joseph was living, and they were part of the covenant. But they didn't have the personal life that Job had. Josiah was more righteous than David in his whole life. He knew how to please God. Isn't that something? And nobody much talks about him. Oh, David this and David that. Well, that's wonderful because he was given a covenant through Abraham and David. But personally, God looked at Josiah and says, you're better than David ever was. Isn't that astounding? And his rewards could be greater also. So see, that's the fairness of God. So they're going to be first who will be last, and last will be first. And some Christians, we think, oh, they're great Christians. They're going to barely make it into the kingdom. And then some people we don't even know about who pray daily and do their best to serve the Lord, and they're going to be higher than anybody you ever known. See, God looks at the individual and what they've been given and what they're responsible for, and they've done or not done. Okay, so we've said that we can allow the toddler to poop his pants, but we're not going to allow a teenager to do it because he's lazy and doesn't want to get up and go to the bathroom. He's going to get a very good punishment unless he's retarded, but he's not. See, so that's how God dealt with the Jews. Said, oh. You think the Gentiles are so bad and you're so privileged, yet some of these Gentiles live better than you do, and I'm going to bless them and I'm going to curse you because you didn't keep the law. Okay, that's the justice of God. No respecter of persons. Okay, 13 gives us the key. For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Let's paraphrase this into the modern contents. It's not the ones who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Son of God and died for their sins. It's the ones who follow him along with their belief. They're the ones who can be justified. Most of them are going to say, Lord, Lord, and they're going to hell. He said, I don't know you. You didn't follow me. Oh, but I did this and I did this good and that good. God, he doesn't even think about it. He said, you did evil. That overrides any good you do. If you make a life of evil and gross sin, you've been cut off from God's grace, from the vine. So see, people need to know that. There is no one saved, always saved. There is no license to heaven and live like hell here on the earth. These people are going to get a deeper hell, especially the teachers and ministers who pacify these sinners and they poor sinners, sometimes they'll come, and I had them come to me when I was counseling. 
And they'll tell me this. And I said, well, you're lost. Oh, no. And they start quoting scriptures to me. Some of them I convinced. They said, I'm, a, I'm lost. I'm no lost. I said, now you can begin to get right if you want to. See? They decided to see the truth. And they said, I have to repent. I have to come back to the Lord. I lost the Lord. But some of them, oh, they wanted to convince me they were saved. I thought, why are you calling me and telling me about your sins? Why are they bothering you? Because your conscience accuses you and says you're guilty before God. That's why. But they go back to their church and they oh, you're saved no matter what you do. Can you imagine the end of that shepherd? Okay. And so he says it's not the hearers of the law. Those who have the law of conscience can be just before God if they've not been given the gospel. The Gentiles were not given the law, yet some were just before God. Isn't that something? Cornelius was a righteous man before Peter gave him the gospel. He wasn't a filthy, dirty sinner like the Calvinistic people say. He did a lot of good. And you know, the angel came to him and said, he didn't say, you're a dirty sinner, let's save you. He said, the memorial of your good deeds have come up before God, and now he's going to show you what to do. According to the conscience and Gentile, Cornelius was a righteous man. He was more righteous than most Jews. And God gives what? Those who have more are given more. He was faithful to his conscience, and God said, I'm going to give you the true gospel now. And that's what Peter did. And do you know that him and the 12 people in his household, they not only got saved, immediately they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They didn't go the way of the Corinthians. They bypassed the law because they were already righteous. See, according to their conscience, they lived right. And Cornelius was greatly honored by an angel. You think an angel would have done this if he was a dirty sinner before God? You foolish people. That's why John the Baptist was the greatest of prophets and the greatest of ministers. He preached the kingdom of repentance. He got a lot of people ready. And so when Jesus came, they were already washed. They were already doing good. And then they could enter in to the new covenant. The Pharisees and priests could not. Oh, they wanted to be baptized to favor the people and make themselves look good. And John the Baptist said, go show some fruits of repentance. Don't come here for me to baptize, you stiff-necked Jews. He, he told them off. He said, go and repent. Change your evil ways. Then come back and I'll baptize you. Well, these people, and six of them were apostles eventually, Immediately when Jesus came up and said, follow me, they dropped everything they were doing. They were prepared. They could see who he was, the prophet of God, a teacher. Took them a while to understand who the son of God was, but they immediately followed him. Why? Because they were prepared by John the Baptist. He said, he preached repentance. He said, turn and repent. And then when Jesus comes along, he immediately says, repent and believe. See, a lot of people believe, but they don't repent because they're not Christians. That's most of Calvinism. Oh, they confess Jesus with their mouth. They're not saved. They're not stopped their sinning. Oh, I've known people lived in fornication for years and they tell me they were born again. I said, you are dead again. You're a liar. You either weren't saved or you forfeited it. 
Men's no words with them. Eternity is a long time for anybody. So professing Christians, the law says, again, and Christianity is the same, it's not the hearers of the law or the hearers of Christianity that are just before God. What is it? The doers, the spiritual workers, the obeyers. Well, that cuts out most people claiming to be Christians. Professing Christianity is just hearing. Submitting to Christ to follow is a doer, okay? That's the real Christian. Many claim Christianity, and some once had it. And they have great knowledge of Scripture, and they study the Bible constantly. But they're fornicators and liars and adulterers, and they mix a little of the evil acts, and they prove they're lawless to Christ. See, the law of Christ, Paul talks about, we're not without law. We exchanged the law of sin and death for the law of Christ. We exchanged masters. We're not free to do as we please. We were the children of the devil, and we become the children of God. And we have to be obedient. The scripture says in the epistles and in the book of Revelation, they did not obey the gospel that were cast into the lake of fire. It didn't say you believe. See, obey sums up the believing. Believing alone is worthless. When Jesus talked about all the parables, he looked at the disciples and said, now do you understand what I told you? And of course, some things they didn't. He had to clarify. They said, yes. He said, blessed are you that hear the word, but more blessed are you who do it. And then he proceeds with the last parable. If you build upon the sand, the storm will come and tear it down. He said, that's the hearer. You heard the word. And he said, and then the one who built on the rock and the storm came and it withstood the storm. He said, that's the doer of the word. So he says, more blessed are you who do the word of God. He clarified it right then to his own disciples. He's not that much interested in hearing and believing. The message to the seven churches, each one at the end was, and the spirit says, Whosoever has an ear, let him hear. What it meant to them back then, if you can hear, you better take heed to what I'm telling you because you're going to answer for it one way or another. He said it to every seven church. He said to every seven church, you who overcome. He didn't say you've already overcome. If you overcome to the end. Oh, that's why many people don't like that book. See, he don't talk about instant believing in grace and you don't have to ever do anything anymore. The lies of the false shepherds. This is Jesus speaking. He said, if you're not faithful to the end, you're not an overcomer. Okay. So he told each one of the churches that regardless of the other messages. And he basically applied, I think he said to five of them directly. He may have said to seven. I know your works. He didn't say, I know what you believe. I, I, I know your doctrine and all your, I don't care. He said, I know your works. And if your works don't conform to the beliefs you're supposed to, you're not going to make it to heaven. I don't care what kind of confession you said, how many times you've been baptized. If Jesus came and danced on the end of your bed last night, you're going to hell. 
Okay? There's no other question. Okay, we go on. Verse 4. For the Gentiles who do not have the law do extinctively the things of the law. Why? Because the law expresses what the pure conscience is supposed to be doing. See, God put the conscience in a man. And it's an inner law. It goes along with the law. Now, it doesn't know about the rituals and the ceremony, but it knows about morality. And the conscience will tell you not to steal, not to murder. See, you don't need no outward law telling you that. The Gentiles instinctively know that's wrong. People who've never heard the law or the gospel, they know that certain things are wrong because their conscience tells them that. And until they sear their conscience and fight and sin against it, it can be good. But then it gets marred and distorted and covered as they continue in their life. It's shut out. But God initially puts it in people. For when Gentiles who do not have the law, they do, I like the word, instinctively. That's rarely used. See, animals do things by instinct. Man's morality is by choices. But they have an instinct conscience that says, don't do that. And they may not understand where it comes from, but they say, oh, I should not do that. See, because that what makes them in the image of God. In his fallen nature, man's still in the image of God. And he has a spiritual part. And there's certain things he knows and he can do, and he can make decisions and wills that often animals just basically move by the laws of instinct. They don't sit and reason things out. They have a certain span that they can work within. They're confined to the goldfish bowl. Christians are confined to a big swimming pool, and they have a lot more things they can understand. And they can choose to do and not do. And see, that's the image of God put in them. And these, not having the law, are a law to themselves. God recognizes it as a law to them. Well, you've not been told the higher law, so I'll hold you accountable for this one. I'm not going to judge you according to the law of Moses because you don't have the law of Moses. But I will judge you according to your conscience. And with the conscience, we will see there was given a span. God was merciful and gracious and gave them certain leadway. They didn't have to be perfect no more than the people under the law had to be perfect. He knew it couldn't be done if they were born with a magnetic nature that was drawn to sin, but a will that could say no. See? And God said, Joseph, do it. You're to fight the old man and you fight these wicked thoughts come from your old nature and the devil and you don't have to do it. And when they come against that, then God starts to judge them, and he holds them responsible. Verse 14 and 15, For when the Gentiles who do not, do not have the law instinctively things the law, it's a law to themselves, and that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. See, they don't know the written law of Moses, but it's in their hearts. Spirit, that's what the heart is. Their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternating, accusing or else defending them. 
So see, God has said it will judge them. And if they don't follow it the way they want to, God judges them, accuses. But even in that, he doesn't say, oh, you've sinned one time, now you've got to go to hell. All these people, these Calvinistic liars, they go into the deepest hell. They think the Catholics are bad. Maybe the Mormons and the Muslims are bad. They go into a greater hell for misrepresenting Christ Jesus and the gospel. Like Peter said, they promised people liberty. Oh, you have a license, just confess. He said, while they are bound in the pollutions of their sin. He said, they promised liberty while they're slaves to their sin. That was Peter's evaluation of them. Okay, And he said, you twisted Paul's teachings to your own damnation. That was those kind of people, licensed to sin, once saved, always saved. That's the kind of people he was talking about. We can figure them out today. Okay, The Gentiles who don't know Moses' law or the old covenants, but live much of it by the conscience, will be excused or accused. So God has set the standard. There's so much they can do against their conscience that God considers them wicked people. And there's so much that they can obey that God says, this one's okay. He's worked within this frame. The blood of Christ will cover him eventually. That's what he's saying. Oh, these people have demons. Oh, they're going to hell because they don't have the gospel. No, they're not. People go to hell. It's because they're evildoers by will. God has never judged a person for being born a human. He does not hold that against them. He's made provision in every covenant, knowing that man can be drawn to the wicked nature, and he has a magnetic pull, but he can overcome it in the standards that God requires. And see, when Isaiah says, there's none righteous, no, not one, that is true. Any person who has ever sinned is a sinner to some degree. But God cleanses and forgives much sin and winks at many minor things when people don't have the complete knowledge of the law and their conscience has not been fully enlightened in certain ways. So he is fair and just in all of his ways. It's not his will that any perish, but all come to the knowledge of truth. Now, if he's predestined people to hell before they're born, how can that scripture be true? He's a liar. Abraham would say, you're lying. He said, you can't destroy the whole city, the righteous with them. And God said, that's right. Only found one righteous man. He didn't find 10, so they were destroyed. Lord, give us wisdom and understanding that we not misinterpret scripture that we accuse you of being evil and not just true, loving, kind, and gracious to all people, that all people are given grace to some degree, and everyone you will deal with justly as you are not partial, nor are you a respecter of persons. In Jesus' name, amen.